I'm Sarah. And I'm Tony. And this is Making It in Asheville. A podcast where the two of us sit down with an Asheville local, a artist, creator, entrepreneur, a maker, and ask about what they are making and how they are making it in Asheville. And in this episode, we are interviewing the woman behind Cakes by Gray, Melissa Gray. Uh, she is a cake artist in Asheville. She's actually our cake artist for our wedding. Um, and in this episode, we talk a lot about what it's like being a cake artist, how she got started, as well as some of her advice for aspiring bakers. And I particularly loved this episode because... It came about 48 hours after doing our cake tasting, which was a absolute sugar coma for me. And we, we started in the best way, in the best way. And we uh, we actually start the interview by talking about some of that. Um, absolutely love the whole interview. We're using cake artists because she uses cake artists. And that's something that we talk about. Um, lots of really great information lots about mm -hmm. cake or uh, baking which is a totally foreign subject for me um really loved it and i think you will too so mm. without further ado let's uh let's hop into the recap of the sugar bomb coma cake tasting and the rest of the conversation enjoy cheers We should have some coffee sometime together. We should. Yeah. I know. Coffee. And I won't. Coffee I, and desserts. I won't have a, like a sugar hangover like the last time we yeah. hung out. <laughs> yeah. Were you um, in a coma? Oh my God. Yeah. Like yes. it was bad? Like terrible. You like, ate five cupcakes. I ate so, I ate more cupcakes than I've eaten in years in our cake tasting. That is literally the thing that gets me every single time because every client is always like, I just ate five cupcakes and I'm like, you did. Yep. And you loved it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just mind blowing that people are like, I don't know how to say five cupcakes. I'm like, you did. Yeah. But you don't realize it because you're just taking, because you're just, you tell us like, oh, try this, try this. And then before you know it, you've eaten five cupcakes. Yeah. 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 And there was like crumbs left and I was like smushing them with the back of the fork. <laughs> like, I was like, why are you doing, I can't stop doing this. It's so. Uh, My secret's out now. That's, <laughs> I put drugs yeah. in it. So Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> we are, our one, we came up with three rules for doing a cu cupcake tasting or a, a cake tasting. And one of them was like Uber there because right. you should not drive after that much sugar. <laughs> You're intoxicated. Oh my God. Seriously, yeah. my blood sugar level was entire. My insulin level was too high to drive. Like it's I would have failed <laughs> that test. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of cake tasting, yeah. we've already heard a little bit about your backstory of how you got into the cake world. Yeah. Um, but for our audience, uh, tell yeah. us your elevator pitch of how you got here. Wow. Okay. How I started Cakes by Gray? All right. Well, um, I've been in the restaurant industry since the day I could work. At 15, I went and got a worker's permit to start waiting tables. And um, so I was in the restaurant industry for about 25 years. And I've officially, when you've been in the business that long, at some point in time, you've worked every single part of the restaurant. Um, and so I had made it up to higher management um, and AGM. And um, I left that position and went back to waiting tables. And then I decided that I 
wanted to make cakes. I needed to get off the floor because I was waiting tables and I was getting a little older and I was like, I don't want to be, you know, the 50 year old server. Yes. <laughs> so I was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. let's change gears. Why? So, but why cakes? Why not? Yeah. So pastry cook. just seemed like I didn't want to work on the line. Savory's never really turned me on, like as far as like cooking savory food. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm a chef. I respect it. It's part of my life. But I don't want to sit back there. The thing with savory versus sweet is sweet is a science. And so you literally cannot veer off from the instructions or the recipe. If you do, you're going to have a catastrophe. Prime example. Side note. This weekend for a wedding, I was making chocolate chip cookies. The recipe called for two and one-fourth cups of chocolate chips. I've made this recipe countless times. Well, it was late at night. I had about one-fourth cup left of chocolate chip chocolate chips, and I was like, why not? Let's throw them in there, right? Because who doesn't want a little extra chocolate chips, okay? Yes, awful, awful plan. There was too many chocolate chips in there, and so was, there was too much fat. And so where normally I make this big, fat, fluffy, fluffy, there's just yes. invented a word. Fluffy cookies. That would be plump <laughs> and fluffy together. Fluffy. <laughs> TM. That is a yes, new trademark. Exactly. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I usually make these like really gorgeous fat chocolate chip cookies. And these chocolate chip cookies came out. They were like flat as a pancake, super, super thin. There was too much fat in there. There was too much chocolate. It just melted. And so... You know, I had to take myself back to the grocery store at 11 o'clock at night to buy more chocolate chips. So lesson learned. And every day we learn new lessons. But back to that, you can't veer off the recipe. Like, that's it. Two and one-fourth cups. That's your max. You know, no extra chocolate chip cookies in there. So for me, the pastry thing, that's just how my brain works. I love the A plus B equals C sort of concept yeah. which in savory food you taste the dish and you're like hey eh, let me throw some turmeric in there <laughs> see how that goes yeah. you know what I mean yeah. needs a dash of salt you know a pinch of salt or whatever and so um I mean that's great I respect that but that's just not how my brain works I'm definitely more more scheduled yeah yeah so yeah that's how that happened that's why pastry turns me on Got and it. it's pretty yeah it's like fun and sweet who doesn't love sugar yeah yeah. And it's like more, I mean, okay, okay probably people would get mad if I say this, but I feel like pastry is slightly more artistic yeah. in the sense that you really are making something that is beautifully presented. Yeah. Not that other food isn't, but, yes. you know, there's a design aspect yeah. to it. And it's evolved have. even more so. I mean, pastry's always had that design element, you know. Um, yeah. Of course, it probably started with a lot of, like, well, torts and things like that, which is a type of cake. But a lot of the chocolate work and things, you know, is where the artistic side of pastry, I think, comes in. But now the whole world of fondant and what people are doing with cakes is just, it's unreal. I mean, I've made cakes before where you have to go to Home Depot and buy the <laughs> the inner works of it. <laughs> you know, blocks. The structure system, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you go in there and you're like all crazy and picking out these threaded rods and they walk by, you know, the employees walk by and they're like, can we help you? And it's like, no. It's like, where's the yeah. cake tool section? Yeah, and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like building a cake and they just look at me like I'm crazy and they're like, huh? And they just walk away because they don't even know what to say. You know? Yeah. <laughs> they're yeah. like, yes, I'm not installing a bathroom fixture. I'm going to build a, a you know, 
life-size deer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I need something that's going to be heavy enough to hold up these antlers. Yeah. So yeah, yeah it's that's it's crazy. Fun. It is crazy, but yeah, it's definitely an art, and it's evolved, and it's still evolving. It's yeah. I always explain cake is it's like fashion, you know, especially being in bridal. Every year there's a new trend, and so a lot of it, it's like fashion, you know, like every single year there's something new on the runway. Now, of course, it all evolves, and we see trends come back, but if you um, are not up on current events or whatever, you know what I mean? If you're not staying on top of things, then you'll get lost, you know, you'll fall behind because there's always something new that's happening. Um, and so you have to stay on top of that because it's, it's very important to be current, yeah, definitely. Which I don't think is like that for other industries. Fashion's one. I guess that's why I compare it to the right. two. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. evolves. It's constantly evolving. I mean, weddings in general are just constantly evolving. Yeah. I, think, I mean, I think trends are constantly yeah. evolving. Yeah. 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 Okay. So you were working as a waitress I in was. a restaurant and you were like, okay, I'm going to do cakes or pastry. Yeah. So I went to pastry school in 2013 um, and when... All that was said and done. You know, I started waiting tables and I was like, or started, I continued Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't want to work, you know, in the back of the house. That wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, And unfortunately, there's not a lot of money in, you know, in the culinary world. It's quite unfortunate, actually, because those guys work super, super hard and they deserve a lot of money, but it's just not in there. You know, so um, I didn't want to be in the back of the house. I didn't want to work those hours. That wasn't my thing. I was doing okay in the front of the house. Um, And so, you know, the idea of giving up that money to be in a position I didn't really want to be in, you know, it just didn't work for me. But everyone was just like, you know, you're not using your talents. You're not using Mm -hmm. your talents. You're not using talents. And I was like, okay, fine. And this is when Facebook first came out with their Facebook business page. And so I was like start a Facebook page then it's official and then it <laughs> snowballed yeah and yeah. Were, were you doing other stuff on the side while you're waitressing like were you making cakes for I people's mean parties? sure I was always you know like making cakes and making muffins and things and giving mm. it away and stuff like that but not in, I wasn't producing them to sell by any means mm-hmm. it was all just like friends and family mm-hmm. hobby baker style mm-hmm. um, I definitely hadn't tapped into the world of fondant and all of that which is a whole separate you know part of it all right. um, it wasn't even really a thing though honestly like the fondant thing hasn't happened that long well we all remember Duff like city of charm city yeah. cakes that's yeah. sort of like when it all happened right. and you can even like if you go back to his earlier episodes see it all evolve to what's happening now, you know, like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's gone. It's nuts. But yeah, started a Facebook page, gave it a horrible name, you know, but it is what it is. <laughs> um, is that the name you have now? Is yes. that what you're talking about? Yeah. It's so. It's a great name. It's, I mean, okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, it's classic. It's classic French, mm-hmm. um, which is why I did it. Cause at the time I wasn't even thinking that it would turn into anything that it is now. So um, it's just classic French. If you look at any bakery, all over the world it's cakes by whoever you know it's just classic so that's just sort of how it went but my last name is gray which sounds better than cakes by melissa right i guess or like 50 <laughs> shades of grit no. yeah. it's funny cause, yeah because when i called it that people were like you should change the name i'm like should i <laughs> should i really 50 flavors yeah. of grit no. Ooh, there you go there <laughs> that would have been better <laughs> especially now with the concept because it is 50 flavors of gray yeah. oh my so goodness. yeah um but yeah, that's how that happened. And here we are four years later. Okay. And I found a little 
a little pocket with the bridal industry that's that's making making me happy. Yeah, so I mean when you when you decided from the moment you opened the Facebook page, yeah. like then what happened? Was it like people just started calling you or like you already had They d- no, definitely not. What? They um people started calling. I gave away a lot of free cake, I'm not going to lie, which I think most entrepreneurs do when they first start out their business. Um, you got to prove yourself. And I definitely did not get into bridal. It was about two years in before I was able to get into bridal. You know, your wedding's a big day. There's a lot of money involved, and it only happens once. And there's a lot of emotion behind it and a lot of anxiety for some people. So you don't just show up one day on the scene and I'm like, hey, I'm going to be your you know, your cake artist for your wedding, that's not happening. So for a solid two years, I gave away a lot of cake. I say give away, but let's just say under, undercharged. <laughs> it's a better, yeah. better term for that. Yeah. Um, but you do, you have to prove yourself like anything. You don't walk in and become CEO on day one of a company. You work your way up. So that's what we did. So um, that happened and it was just promoting on Facebook, which thank God, say what you want about Facebook. It's an excellent tool for you know, promotion, it's definitely, you know, it's worlds away from how it used to be. Like, you know, I don't know anyone who takes out print ads anymore. That's not true. I do know people that take out print ads, but I don't read print ads. Personally, I don't read print ads. So um, I just, I don't think it's the way of the world anymore. It's definitely more digital. So it just um, gave me a platform to get my Mm. name out there. And um, so that happened. And then I slowly started getting into the wedding industry, and here we are two years later. Yeah, and here we are. Like, we're in this pretty special space. Uh, Sarah's been here three times now. This is my second. But uh, tell us a little bit about where we actually are physically today. So we are in the Engaged Studios. Um, It is a co-op working space for wedding professionals. And um, honestly, personally, becoming part of this was the last key, like the last piece of the puzzle for me getting into bridal. Um, This is just, the best thing about this studio is it's a one-stop shop. So um, Asheville is probably, I would easily say 90% destination brides. Um, And so this sort of situation, you can pull up our website and find every single vendor you would ever need to pull your wedding off. So if you're in Switzerland, let's say, like my bride was last year, she, her entire team, if I remember correctly, was from this, this co-op here. And it just made sense. She's on the other side of the world, completely different time zone, and she could get on the internet, pull up our website, and find every single vendor. Um, and they've been hand-selected by Candace Hightower, who is the curator of this. Um, and so you know, it's, it's trusted vendors. You know what I mean? It's not like, oh, you look good. You can be part of our team. You know what I mean? So we've worked our way to get here and it's a solid crew, you know? And so you can, you know, pull up the website and have your entire wedding planned in one shot, which I think is probably valuable. I know it's valuable, um, to certain people, you know what I mean? And plus here, you can also come here, like Sarah, you've been here three times now. You came here mm-hmm. for your makeup consult, um, consultation, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Now you've done your cake tasting. Yep. You know, so you could meet multiple vendors here in the same space, and you can do that in one day. So, for example, you're coming from Switzerland. You're here for, you know, two days or wherever. 
wherever Brooklyn. you're coming from. Brooklyn, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're here in town for two days, and you've got to knock out the wedding planning. Here you are. You don't have to leave the studio. You can do your makeup at 9 a.m., your cake tasting at 11, catering at 1, you know what I mean? And so um, that's valuable, I think. Time is time is of the essence. Yeah. So. And, well, and I think for vendors as well, because, right, you don't have, we at are. the moment, you don't have a space except your, you, you bake out of your house. I do. I do. I so. do. I bake out of my house, which is, um, it's pretty normal for, um, you know, cake artists to bake out of their right. house. I practice under a division of um, agriculture that's called cottage law. So the house has been inspected and all that things. And we, it's, um, it is inspected, health inspected. It's just a different little branch. Um, and so, yeah, so when I first started, I was meeting people at my house and it was such a production, you know, yeah. like I had to get the kids out of the house and the poor guys were stuck at the park for like eight hours a day, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you're like walking around dusting and cleaning the bathrooms and making sure everything's perfect and lighting candles. And it's still just weird because you have strangers at your dining room table, not strangers. Cause eventually you become family after you've been talking to them for, you know, some time right. and we're in this process, but it's a little, it's a it's a bizarre thing, you know? And so here we don't have to do that. We can meet our clients here. It just steps up the professional game just a little bit. Yeah. 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 So it's nice. I mean, I would love to have you at my house. Yeah. But let's We'd do it as friends. Yeah, we'll do yeah. it. We'll, we'll, we'll come on a Sunday. Yeah. We'll come on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> Sundays are the best days. So, so I, I, this is like a, I, I've been meaning to ask because I, I heard you say it, uh, about what your week looks like. Yeah. And so I imagine when you started four or six years ago, yeah. your week was probably a little different than it is today. It this was. space is a huge change, I'm sure. Yeah. But talk us through a week in the life of a cake artist. Man. <laughs> well, like any entrepreneur, I work 24-7. I don't think that we never have a day off. If you are fostering your little baby, there's no time for you to really take time off. So if that's me standing in the line at Target with my son on my hip, I'm answering an email. And I make that joke often. I'm like, I probably answered that email in Target and I forgot about it as soon as I get to the car. It's not personal. It's yes. just the situation, you know? Um, so my typical schedule, which is crucial to the survival of myself and everyone involved, is um, on Monday I answer my emails and get contracts ready. And I also fill out my what I call cheat sheets, which is basically it's just the prep sheet for what I'm doing for every single event that weekend. Um, so I fill those out and we get everything ready. On Tuesday, I go around all around town and shop for all of my ingredients. Um, on Wednesday, I make my fillings and my buttercreams. On Thursday, I bake. On Friday, I put the cakes together. On Saturday, I deliver them all. And on Sunday, I rest. <laughs> Very biblical of you. Yes. <laughs> it just works out that way, that's all. <laughs> so, yeah. And then on Monday, we get up and do it all over again. And I also raised two small humans in the I meantime. love that you call them small humans. That's what I, I mean, yeah. we don't have a small human, but I call, like, little humans small that's humans. That's what they are. I think yes. it's so fun. Yeah. They're just along for the ride. God love them. Two, two boys? No, I have a nine-year-old daughter. Her name is Pearl, and I have a four-year-old son. His name is Monroe. Cool. Yeah, cool. and they, like I said, along for the ride. 
It's funny. I'm opening a storefront right now, and like my daughter was like, "Hey, mom, can I work at your bakery?" And I was like, "Can you?" <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, cute. it's cute yeah. that it's her idea right now. Be like, remember how you wanted this? Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We were building it, and there's a back part of in above the kitchen. There's um, the mezzanine, which is gonna have my office and things like mm-hmm. that in it. And I keep jokingly calling it the daycare. And when I was working with the architect and you know the contractor and all this stuff, like. You you know, you're always trying to figure out ways to cut the budget. And they're like, well, we can lose the mezzanine. And I'm like, you guys have to stop trying to lose the daycare because <laughs> I don't know where my kids are going to, like, be raised if it's not up there, you know, because I'm yeah. going to be working out front and they'll be up there probably playing a Nintendo or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I'm like, stop losing the daycare, y'all. We need that. crucial part of <laughs> the business. It's crucial, uh, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of the business, tell yeah. us more about uh, Rosa Bees. Rosabees, way better name than Cakes by Grey, right? <laughs> so what's Rosabees? So Rosabees, um, Rosa is pink, which pink is one of my favorite colors. Mm-hmm. And um, B, it's B-E-E-S. Yeah. Um, so pink bees, essentially. Um, Melissa means honeybee in Greek. And so it's my favorite color and my name, basically. How cute. I know, to really break nice. it down. Yeah. So it's pink bees. And no one else is using it. Very crucial in naming a business. Yes. Crucial. Yeah. Everyone should think about that. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's not the first time that we've heard that on the podcast. And in our last episode, we learned that there are multiple, multiple chop shops and chops being used in chop. And so the yeah. idea of choosing mm-hmm. a name that is somehow unique, trademarkable, yep. or like uh, differentiated is strong that's, I it's think crucial really, yeah because yeah, i mean you want to be able to say your name and be the only one you know so um i see it a lot in my industry that names are just you know reused and reused and reused and it's like well which one are you are you the one in boston are you the one in philly are you the one in the new york you know and it's hard it's hard to come up with a name it's it's I mean, look, I got stuck with Cakes by Grey for four years. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I say stuck. I don't hate it. It's just, it's not storefront material. It works perfectly for a Facebook page. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I would never have my brick and mortar be called that, you know? Um, so I'm not dissing on my name, y'all, okay? <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, I am the only Cakes by Grey. If you look it up, I'm the only one in the world. Yeah. So there's something to say about that. And then Rosa Bees is... Fortunately, the same way too. So um, I went to go buy the domain and all that stuff, and I could I picked every single variation that there possibly could be, and my Gmail, everything was like it was already there. I didn't have to struggle to you know put underscores and slashes, and right. it was just put it in there, and that was it. And I was like, sweet, yeah, we're doing something good. Yeah, so, that, yeah. That's the first thing that you always do is like if we're thinking of a name for something, um, we have an idea. Yep. He's like. Google it. Yep. <laughs> and Domain. Actually, yeah. what, I, what I would advise is you don't actually Google it. Yeah. You use a, like a web, we use Domainer, but you can use GoDaddy, anything where you would buy a domain. Yeah. And search through them because hypothetically there are robots that pay attention to people's Google searches. And if it gets searched enough, there are systems that can buy weird domains for cheap and just sit on them. That's a whole version of real estate digital real estate people just squat on yeah because they're not expensive i own like six versions of rosa bees because when i bought it that was like the first thing i did was buy the domain i was like i don't know how i want to do this apostrophe no apostrophe capitals Mm -hmm. you know rosa b rosa bees which one is it anyway i own lots of them 
but they're not expensive, so I, that makes sense. Yeah. Now I'm playing the digital real estate game. Look at yep. that. <laughs> Who <Yep>. knew? <laughs> it's, a, it's a very real thing. Yeah, um, I believe it. Anyway, yeah, so I wouldn't actually Google it yeah. so much as uh, look up to see if someone else owns it by searching to see yeah. if you can buy it. Yeah. 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 It's good. It's a big process. And so what's going to, so it's brick and mortar. It's a, re, it's a storefront or it is, is a it storefront. a, yes. So we are located at 27 Foundy street, which is down in the foundation, um, in the river arts district. So, um, we're next to 12 bones and wedge two and summit coffee. Um, there's a lot of vintage clothing down there. There's, um, the skate park is down there and, um, the winery. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're in there. So, um, bring in a little bit more food down there, which is good. Um, yeah. What, what's the, how, what's the concept behind yeah. Residues? Is, is it cake? When is this going to be released? <laughs> I'm sitting tight on this concept <laughs> oh, right so now. You, you don't have to necessarily say it. it'll be, uh, probably two weeks from now. So not maybe the be very, very beginning of July, but, uh, we can also just say, uh, you'll have to see it in person and, yeah. and invite people to join us when we visit. Yes. So let's say this. It is cake and cocktails. That's a given. Um, it is definitely something that Asheville is not offering yet. Um, this concept happens a lot in major cities. And um, once I sort of dived into it, I started doing some research. And this particular concept is in a lot of cities, you know, but we just don't have one here yet. So um, I'm hoping to bring something fresh and new to the food scene here, which is unbelievable because we have so much great food here. So, um, so yeah, it's going to be a good, let's describe this. It's dark and sexy. It's sweet. It's got a tropical flair and it's good for a date night. It's good to start your evening. It's good to end your evening. Heck, you could spend the whole evening there. I don't care. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> but, yeah, we're going to have something for everyone. Um, but it's a lot of fun, and it's definitely unique. I love it. That's like uh, the way you described that reminds me of what's that game? What? Uh, dark and sexy. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Except you lost me at tropical. I was like, ah, I'm not tropical. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Uh, we need some so trouble on these mountains, by the way. Yeah. Yes. So this is good. But what's the game? What are you talking about? No, it's, it's like the guessing game where you're like, or maybe it's like the I spy game or whatever. And you're like, you describe the item and then you have to guess what it is. It's the, it's the word where you catchphrase or whatever. You can't say the word. Oh, is it catchphrase? I think what's categories? What I can't category. remember. Is it categories? I don't know. Yeah. So when you describe that place, it actually reminds me a lot of our cake tasting. Yep. Right. So the idea, a lot of the ways that you paired and mix and match those flavors, you pointed towards cocktails. Yep. And I was like, wow, I would never have ever have ever connected these dots. Yeah. So how, how yeah. it, it, six years ago you wanted to start making cakes yeah were you making cocktail cakes from the beginning I wasn't no this sort of organically developed on its own um I used to be the pastry chef at Laughing Seed and one day I made a blackberry tart and I was like what can I put on this blackberry tart to jazz it up so I just googled what is 
you know, what sort of flavors, you know, complement the blackberry. And um, I'll never forget, I was standing in the kitchen and basil come up and I was like, all right, basil, I'll do that. So I paired it with a basil whipped cream and it just, it, they couldn't keep it, they couldn't keep it, it sold like crazy. So that sort of spiraled into what it is now. So I took the basil whipped cream idea and turned it into my basil buttercream and then the savory sweet revolution started. <laughs> so now my whole thing is just, I just take my favorite savory dishes and try to turn them into cupcakes, which I think I'm, I think I'm starting to master. Yeah. <laughs> it's getting pretty good. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. There, there were some flavors that we tasted that you were like, this is, this is going to be your pina colada or whatever and yeah. like I was like oh my god it actually tastes it like a pina, pina colada. colada but yeah. so what are your favorites like what if you kind of had to have like one cake for the it's rest like, of your life or which is your favorite what's child what's your go-to Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> can you have a favorite child I, no right you can't but I imagine do you have some flavor that's so um my grapefruit and black pepper is one of my favorites and I this year I started doing I started off with doing pear and blue cheese but I've now morphed that into cherry and blue cheese and it's just so darn tasty it's just unexpected and so you're just and everyone's like, I don't like blue cheese. And the next thing they know, they that's on their menu. I'm like, you do like blue cheese. You just never had it for sugar <laughs> yeah. before. Yeah. Seriously, I'm, I'm giving praise hands when I saw blue cheese in the sample so thing. Good. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And it, it was a yes, it's yes. It's so good. Praise yeah. hands. So yeah. most of the time when you're like flavoring a buttercream, you incorporate that flavor into the entire buttercream. And I don't do that with the blue cheese. So I just fold in the blue cheese crumbles into the buttercream. Um, and so that way when you're eating it, you get a bite of that salty every once in a while. But mostly it's the sweet. And so it's that surprise in your mouth where you're like, what? You know, and I think that's the difference because if it was morphed into the entire thing, it would just be too salty. But you're still getting that. That's the difference is it's that that ever so it's that surprise, that salty surprise yeah. every once in a while where you're like, oh, there's the blue cheese. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. That makes yeah. it that Yeah, because it like, that's always the best part when you're like eating a salad, right, with blue cheese and you like get that little yeah. piece of blue cheese on the fork and then it all comes together or anything when you're eating the same salad and you get the dried cranberry yeah and you're like oh there's the dried cranberry you know what I mean it's the yeah. same yeah same concept it's exactly. why you keep going that's why back you keep going. the next bite exactly exactly so that's how that particular one works a lot of them they're all incorporated but not with the blue cheese I love yeah. that mm -hmm. where do you get your inspiration from are there any books or tv shows or I don't no. know, websites. It's, I get my inspiration from the fact that I eat a lot of food. <laughs> um, and food is my life. It's just what I do. So now I just try to sit around and think of new ideas because every year I try to put out at least five new creations. So mm -hmm. honestly, truth be told, I have a book called The Flavor Bible. Um, it's crucial. Every chef, I'm sure, owns this. Um, but it just literally breaks down every single herb or fruit or vegetable and tells you what it pairs with. So for me, I can be walking through the produce aisle and see a fruit and be like, okay, what pairs with that? I can look in that book. It'll give me everything that it pairs with. And then that's when I start tinkering and like putting it together and figuring out what I like. So yeah, that's how that works. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I think when we were talking to you as well, you mentioned you, you traveled to, where was it, Maui? Yep. Um, tell us about some of the flavors that came out of that. Oh, all the flavors came out of that. <laughs> <laughs> all the things that Rosa V's is going to be full of. Um, passion fruit was a big one. Um, guava is another big one. Um, obviously, tons of coconut. Um, papaya. Avocados. Everything that's just natural there. They have a thing. Um, it's called an apple banana. It's just a smaller banana. Have you ever had one of them? Mm, I've seen them. Yeah, yeah. you can get them. Um, I get them now. With, there's a market in East Asheville. It's called Foreign Affairs. Mm-hmm. And she calls them Thai bananas because they probably are from Thailand. I don't know. I had the same one in Hawaii, though, which I think this grows on the island. Um, but they're just they're shorter. They're half the size of a normal banana that we get that comes from Costa Rica or wherever. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they're shorter, there's more sugar in it. Ooh. Right, because it's more dense. It's yeah. more, you know, compacted. So there's more sugar in that little one. And so it's sweeter, but it has a totally different flavor. So like throwing that into the mix. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just bringing those flavors here, um, which is I'm finding to be slightly difficult, but we're going to do it anyway. We've difficult to, because well like, we live in the mountains right you know even I want it to be heavily seafood influenced and forward and that's a difficult thing to do on a Tuesday you know what I mean like we can have fresh seafood granted we're only three hours away from a coast so it's not not doable you know what I mean which is how we are getting fresh seafood here because it comes up from Charleston right three four hours max but you can literally catch that in the morning and have it delivered here by this afternoon, which is what most of the restaurants do. They all, it's all low country, which is what that, you know that, you've heard that. Yeah, so it's all low country seafood. So um, you can have fresh seafood here, but it's probably only going to happen, you know, you get it in on Thursday, you run it through the weekends, and then, you know, we'll see what happens Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> but yeah. Don't go for the all you can eat mussels on Tuesday. <laughs> well, that is in any restaurant. And yeah. on Sunday, yeah, if you're getting seafood omelets, it's a bad idea. We've all, you've read Kitchen Confidential. Oh, for sure. Anthony Bourdain. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. He warned us about that long ago. Long, and it's long. true. <laughs> it is true. Yeah. yeah. That, so. that scarred half price sushi for me yes. forever. Forever. Yeah. But the one, the one thing that seems, and I'll, I'll defer to you, but the one thing that seems, uh, like the, the antithesis, I guess, of that would yeah. be if they run that promotion, you know, every day or all week or every week, and somehow or another they're known for it. Yeah. Uh, because you, it seems like you can't. I don't know. It, it would be hard to be known as, like, the muscle place and have a half-price muscle day and not have those be good muscles even on a half-price day. Yeah. But I don't know. True. It is true. You would have to feel, fulfill that obligation, I think. I don't, yeah. But, yeah. but I've never managed the, you know, No, half-price seafood, sketchy. Sketchy. Sunday seafood, sketchy. It's literally been in the walk-in all weekend all long. Weekend. And, and they've been hands dug in it. Yeah. And Anthony Bourdain do in the book was like, and if you go to a place and they have like some, you know, particularly funky thing and you're like, oh, that's cool. I would never have thought this place would have it. Don't order that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because exactly. no one's ordering that. Get right. the burger. Get yeah. the thing that like they fly through. Like what do you sell out of the most? Yeah. And, and try and, or just don't eat. Don't <laughs> eat it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. 
So yeah, we're bringing some fun flavors here. Um, it, it can be done. We, you just have to source them, honestly. Um, so we've, you know, doing the menu development over the past six months, we've just been figuring out where we're going to source, source these things. So um, it will change. You know, it's, we talked about this on our tasting. Unfortunately, there's no such thing as out of season anymore because it's just flown in from somewhere, right. you know. You can get a blueberry or whatever in December, you know, like it's, it's, it's just possible. But except for peaches. I tried to find a peach in the early spring and it was not possible. A little food for thought there. Um, so That's yeah. weird because we're Damn. so close to like... South Carolina, Georgia, yep. those peach but shapes, peach you know. peach season is real. Yeah. It's real. But, yeah, you think of, like, the apple, for example, because this is apple country, too. Yeah. Um, you think of the apple. You can get apple year-round, but they're being flown in from Washington. And they store well. And they store well. Yeah. Yeah. They, they um, a peach, them. not so much. There's, like, a weird chemical where they can – so they wax the apples, and then they chemical, like, freeze the apples and stop the aging. Great. And That's then, and then they, upon pulling them out, <laughs> hit them with another chemical that brings them back to life effectively. So yeah. they're like on a life support, intentional coma, and then they get pulled out. So that's why we can get apples all year, and that wax coating is effectively why that's possible. That's really sad. An apple a day State, does not keep the doctor away. It's not what it used <laughs> not to be. Not anymore. As a matter of fact, it brings the doctor closer to you probably. Exactly. In New York State, you're not allowed to sell an apple that hasn't had pesticides used on it in its growth. Really? You can give them away, like you can have an apple on your yard, apple tree, and grow the apples, but if you start to sell it, uh, you'll get found out and... God, that is corporation. Ugh, like that is fundamental of corporation right there. Yeah. Wow, unbelievable. I mean, it's D not big apple. At all. <laughs> Actually, I totally believe it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's yeah, unfortunate, yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's really sad. I didn't know that. There's your fun fact for the day. Yeah I, yeah, I learned that in a farmer's market. I asked them, I was like, oh, is this like, no, you have, probably have no pesticides and stuff like that. And she's like, actually, we're not allowed to do that. Interesting. And in the state of New York, you will have never Have we fact buy che checked at this? Oh, fuck, no. I know. Someone fact checked us, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we keep saying, Let us in, know. <laughs> in each episode, someone's like, oh, I don't know if I'm saying this right. And I'm like, we're going to give a prize to the first person yeah. who does a Google search and then emails us that we were wrong or just sort of wrong. I love uh, that. Because that means that they care. Yes. And so we'll, we'll, if you're out there listening, fact check, let yep. us know, and then somehow or another we'll say thank you in a very special way. We will. Yeah. It might involve gift certificates to a certain B restaurant. OMG. <laughs> and we'll meet you there. Yes. And, and get Ooh, speaking of which, important question when does Rosa B's open? All right. So, in theory, <laughs> if everything goes as planned, God willing, at this point, it's been a very long process, but I finally have a good solid crew and this is happening. Um, we're going to start doing some soft openings around the uh, middle of July. <clears throat> Excuse me. And get some kinks worked out and things like that friends and family events industry night events um obviously soft openings and then we hope to be doors wide open ready for yelp reviews august 1st exciting nice. yep very exciting and so uh i think uh, is it about time that we transition towards the questions that we always ask in some yes form or the rapid fire round so these are rapid fire. these are uh slow fire 
like a, oh. like a smoldering. <laughs> wow, we just like, built yeah, all that up. Yeah, so, so they're, they're, they, and then put the brakes on. Yeah, so Never you mind. Don't, you, don't ha- you don't have to take these uh, rapid fire, but we are able to ask them rapid fire if you'd like. Um, generally speaking, okay. if our, if we or our audience could wave a magic wand and make something happen for you, uh, what might that big wish ask thing be? You want to know my greatest wish right now? Sure. <clears throat> I want to live in Maui. Maui. Yep. So we're going to open Rosevie's 2. No. No. Just live. <laughs> not at all. Just retire. <laughs> Just retire yeah. in Maui. Yes. <laughs> yes. No, that's not true. Okay. I want to um, have a little piece of land in Maui and grow all of my own fruits and vegetables because you can. It is paradise there. And, um, oh, side note, here's a fun fact for you. 90% of the flora on the Hawaiian islands only exist in Hawaii. Wow. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what we're going to do is, hey, audience, connect (laughs) us to your friends and family in Maui uh, so that we can, you know, go on some sort of R&D trip and see about buying some real estate out there There or partnering with a farm that's doing stuff really, really we, well out there. We do know we someone do know from a Hawaii. Hawaiian friends. I like so. This is not outside of the one degree of separation realm, realm right oh, now. See, so I love is, this. Yeah. So okay. this is why we ask this question because you never know. So we'll find out. So yeah. So um, I want a little piece of property on the islands. I want to raise my own food, grow my own food, have a little food truck out there that the food is sold, and I just want to be on the beach constantly. Beach, jungle little bit of both all of it yeah totally achievable let's do it nice. oh it's happening yeah yeah <laughs> there's no question it's just a matter of, of time it's just we'll a matter get of time. there yeah and then yeah. we'll come visit and it'll be yep. great um next question Kay. is if you have friends coming to visit you in Asheville where do you take them it can be restaurants bars activities things to see all right so <clears throat> first of all we're gonna eat a lot because hello that's what I do so my favorite restaurants Right now, Bull and Beggar is number one. Um, Seafood Tower, big shout out to the Seafood Tower and the Lobster Roll. You got to get there. Um, Kachina 24, another one. Um, I like to go dancing, so I'm a big fan of the Imperial Life. Um, I love the Biltmore. It's cheesy or whatever as it is. If you can't walk through that space and find some sort of respect then you have no soul. <laughs> it's just everything that is glorious and magical of a time gone by. Um, and it still is there standing and you can go check it out. Yeah. It's really, really cool. And the grounds and everything. So And the people who work there are yeah. like open books. Like literally, yeah. they just know everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's really as cheesy as it is. You know what I mean? And I say cheesy, but... It's, it's a, you should go there. Like, if you're going to come to Asheville, you should definitely go to the Biltmore. Yeah. You would do yourself a disservice if you didn't take the time to do it. I think the word fantastic is appropriate because it's, like, fantastical. It's fantasy. It's, like, yeah. w- it's wow. It's unreal how? that yeah. that, like, and, actually existed at some point and, in time in life. And then the time frame that <laughs> yeah. it was built in. And when you hear how different it was than anything else that existed. Yeah. Like, I, we followed a tour around. It's one of the things that I'll do. And then I asked all sorts of random crazy questions. I think that we should start a tour company where I ask people who actually know what's going on questions. Right. It t- tends to be pretty funny and they get enthused by my enthusiasm. Right. And uh, like, oh, you care. Yeah. yeah. It, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. And so one of the things that stands out for me is that the guest who would come to visit 
were aristocrats in their own way. They were, yeah. they were the wealthiest of the wealthy, the most famous of the famous, and they didn't have running water or toilets in their homes, and this place had like 45 yep. of them. Every yep. guest room had its own bathroom. Yeah. In, and they were like, oh, how? Like, yeah. we still have outhouses, and we're millionaires yeah. at, the, at yeah. the time. I don't, that doesn't make sense. That would be like Elon Musk's house being, uh, you know, gravity-free or yeah. something insane. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you can't respect it for what it yeah. is, like, I don't, I can't help you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's unbelievable. And the fact they lived there for what, like six years or something? Oh, I don't know. They lived there for like question. a year. Yeah. <laughs> it was longer than that, but it was like no time. And they went through all of that and hardly ever enjoyed it. Wow. Fact check. Someone figure out how long the Vanderbilt's actually lived there. It may have been 12 years. It was something. It wasn't anything for, like, it was not a record amount yeah. of time. Let's just say that. It was pretty much vacant the entire time. Which, which makes sense. There is, oh, God. So my, fi- this one guy had a pun. I don't need to do it, but it's one of my favorite <laughs> puns of all time. And go to the book, go to the room with all the books in it. Um, and if you're lucky, you'll hear the greatest pun ever executed. It was crickets. When we went, there were 60 people in the room. I was the only person laughing, but it was one of the best jokes of all time. Okay. Eventually, maybe I'll tell it on the podcast. Unless no, you have to say it now. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> like, what? so you can hype us up like well, that. And be like, just kidding. Okay. So we're in, the, we're in this room. It's absolutely gorgeous. There are 10,000 books. It's George's library. George's library. With the spiral stairs with the spiral and everything. Staircases. Yeah. Amazing. It's amazing. It's like you're, there's nothing I've ever seen like it in America. Right. In a, and then to think that it's in a private estate is yes. insane. Um, there's nothing else to do but read. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what and, else and are you going to so do? And so this guy is absolutely fantastic. I'm asking questions. People are asking questions. And he goes, so this room is half of his library. He's got 20,000 books. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And he goes, you're probably wondering, where are all these other books then? And I was like, well, I wasn't. But so then in comes, <laughs> in comes, well, now that you so it. in comes this perfectly, and I won't do it justice. And so I recommend you go visit and see if you can, if this guy's there. In comes this perfectly delivered, like he must say it every day thing, where he goes, keep in mind, George Vanderbilt had six homes. He had one in Bangor, one in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. He had two apartments in Manhattan. Yep. I think that's four. He had one in France. Yep. And then he had this home here. And while he lived here for a little over six months of the year, this was not his main estate. That was in Bangor. Crickets. Banger, Maine. Banger, Maine. It was his main estate. You have to know your geography. You have to. But so he goes, this was not his main estate. That's in Banger. And no one, and it literally, no one, and I just like, I fall over. I grab him. And I'm like. I get your joke. (laughs) He's like bowing down. like, oh, hell, this guy. People, he said Banger. This one, this is, he's here because it's over six months and it would be his main estate. I love it. Okay, you do have to know your geography. Sorry. I'm not really familiar with Maine. Yeah. But that is a good one. Dude, it was, I don't know. So I found that to be. I mean, you got to like pull from something. When you're doing a job Seriously, like that. Seriously, so and then he yeah, had a joke. the same yeah. stuff. And then he switched yeah. rooms. Like yeah. hey, he got crickets. I gave him love, and then he's like, you know what? He's I'm like, is this here. thing on? Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna go stand by the chandelier, which was the first electrical chandelier in the East Coast. <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, like, oh, fuck. 
but it was so funny. Yeah. All right, so we agree. I think that that is yeah. worthy. Yeah, Biltmore, crucial. And then lastly, for some good, fun entertainment, I love the Lazoom tours. <gasps> oh, yeah. yes. We haven't fun. done the official tour. We went to comedy night there, and those guys were great. Like, you, the people that run there. That's someone else you should have on the podcast. I'd love to. Get on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because they came up. They were going to do that um, in New Orleans. I won't tell their story for them. <laughs> I won't tell their story yeah. for them. You just I won't over. tell their story for them, but they came up. They were going to do that in New Orleans, and Katrina happened. And so oh, they wow. got misplaced, I guess, if you will, and ended up here. And so now, thankfully, we have the Lazoom tour and not New Orleans. So big ups. Yeah. yeah. I mean, every time, so like, you come to Asheville, every time we used to come to visit, we would see these buses going yep. around, and we're like, oh, it looks so cheesy, like, you it's know, we're not into, like, so super, yeah. you know, touristy attractions or whatever, and then we, like, go and look it up, and it's got, like, the best reviews and on yeah. Google anyone, and everything. And anyone that you ask about it is like, oh, it's so fun. It's so good. Well, and it's interactive, too. Like, you know, you, they're like, look out to your left, and all of a sudden, there's, a, you know... Somebody yeah. running down the street, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, he was placed there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, yeah. It's, Oh, that's cute. Yeah, it's all part of it. That's all part of the skit. So they're, uh. like, put all over town, and they'll be like, look out to your left. And you look out, and, you know, here's the guy running down the street in a clown outfit or something. I don't know. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. That's cool. great. Yeah. It's cool. Definitely do it. Yeah. It's fun. Cool. Um, and then my question, because Sarah has, I think baking is yeah. intimidating for me. Because I have a low capacity for reading and then a lower capacity for following directions the way that they were intended to be followed. So if you were to give advice to someone who maybe just got a little bit of the itch from the sweets that they've had and they want to learn and get a little better. (laughs) Not not an allergic reaction. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) just like the excitement, right? They're like, all right, I want to do this. Where do you start? Do you start with the flavor book or do you start with like Paula Deen or something crazy? I don't even know. Um, I mean, I think you have to have a love for it. It's not, the restaurant industry as a whole is not for everyone. It's definitely not for the weak. Um... If you're in it for the money, you're just going to sell yourself short because there's not a lot of money in it. You do it for passion and you do it for your love. And, you know, I tried to get out of the business a hundred times and I always kept coming back to it. So for whatever reason, it's been my calling. Um, So if you want to get into baking, should you go to school? Absolutely. I think there are fundamentals, fundamentals (laughs) that... um, you can only learn from masters, you know what I mean? And so it's very valuable to go to school. Are you going, those are literally just the basics though, because again, going back to fashion, all that stuff, it's evolving. And so you have to constantly be keeping up with the trends and with every trend comes a new technique and so on and so forth. So you will forever, that's a question that I get asked a lot. Hey, are you self-taught or did you go to school? And I'm like, well, both, because if you don't keep up and keep, you know, teaching yourself, then you're going to fall behind. One of the things they um, say in fashion is that you need to know the rules before you break them. Yep. Otherwise, you're, like, not actually breaking rules. Exactly. Right. And same thing there. Exactly. Same thing. So it is crucial that you go to school. You'll lose, you know, the information is, is very valuable. Um, you will definitely morph it into your own, I imagine, or at least I did. Um, but, yeah, you gotta have you got to have the tools first. In your real house. So, yeah. Um, so that's what I would do. Go to school. It's, is education ever a bad thing? You know what I mean? Go to school and know that you are going to miss time out with your family. 
you're um, not going to get a lot of sleep. Um, From all the sugar? It, no, it's hard, you know, like a lot of bakers will bake and they freeze their cakes and I don't do that. So like on Friday nights, I don't sleep, you know, because I'm putting all these cakes together to get them ready. And it's a deadline and it's a deadline that cannot be missed. Like this wedding has been planned for a year and it will not start at four or five. It starts at four. And so it's not, you can't be late. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you can't show up when the guests are there. Like, it, the room has to be set before anyone gets there. So there's no, like, gray area to this timeline. You know what I mean? So it's crucial. And so whereas most of the time it's a, it's a game I play in my head, when can I go to sleep? Every Friday night I'm like, how much do I have to get done before I can go to sleep and know that I can actually get some sleep and still get this accomplished and meet my deadline because there's no not meeting the deadline. Yeah. You know what I mean? It has to be done. So not a lot of sleeping happens. So you sacrifice a lot, but is it worth it? Absolutely. I haven't worked for anyone in over four years. And, you know, I mean, as much as I am good at following the rules, nobody really wants to follow someone else's rules do they <laughs> you know yeah. like I take that back I guess there's people out there that don't mind following the rules but you know what's wrong with making your own rules right so and, and it does seem it. like you have a as a as a cake artist and I I, I you heard like you that? say that so I don't want to use I don't baker, like baker. I it think doesn't sound right it doesn't sound baker to me is that's a production sort of situation. You could be a bread baker. You could be, you know, for me, I'm a cake artist. Yeah. So, and, I, yeah. and I think words matter, so I'm trying yep. to use the right words. Thank um, you. But as, as a <laughs> cake artist, it does seem like there are enough rules, right? You were talking about how it, uh, an extra quarter cup of, yep. of chocolate, chocolate can ruin, ruin the whole thing. Ruin chocolates. Yep. And so there's a great metaphor that I had heard. I think it was Seth Godin, where he's like, half of life is learning what the eggs are and what the icing is right and like you can't throw extra eggs into the batter correct late, but you can fudge stuff with icing right yeah. you can like fix the corners with a little extra icing and thank god for that because yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole <laughs> basis of my job yes, yes. <laughs> make it fixing the corners with icing <laughs> yeah yeah you can you can but no you can't you can't throw the extra egg but you can't throw the extra dash of salt in there for savory. Mm, for savory, that's yeah. the difference. It's the difference. So I don't know. Pastry also, you have to have a certain mindset to want to be in pastry. Everything about pastry is about perfection, and so I don't think there's a lot of people who don't really care about perfection. Unfortunately, I care about it more than most. <laughs> Unfortunately, fortunately, I don't know. I guess it depends on how you look at it, but like. I never not know where my keys are. Let's just say that. There's never been a moment in my life where I've lost my keys. Yeah. I know where my keys are all the time. <laughs> and there are people out there that are just like, where's my keys? <laughs> you know? And I'm like, how do you not Tony know is where raising your his keys hand. are? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so for me, see, you're seeing where my brain works now. Pastry is really easy for me because it's very black and white. There's no gray areas. And I like that because that's just how my brain works. So it's perfection. It's consistency. Everything has to look perfect and be uniform and lined up and, and good. So, yeah. If I wanted to start home baking, right, so I'm not ready to go to school, yep. do I need, like, I need, do I need, uh, what's the, KitchenAid? Like, what, what's the, what 
tools of the trade help someone oh, man. go from that's a hard not one like what it. are your basic tools a kitchen aid is um probably a good basic tool i mean i own seven of them if that gives you any idea but that's how much volume i'm producing these days um but yeah a kitchen aid is definitely uh, for a lot of people starting out it's their big grand purchase they're like i have a kitchen aid now and i'm like yes Yes. <laughs> Welcome Fuck to up. the game. Yeah. Slippery um, slope. But yeah, I, um, that is something else about pastry that's different with savory is that it takes so many tools to produce these cakes. You know, so there's a lot of money invested. There's a lot of upfront money invested that if you don't have it, you might struggle for a while because you need these tools to produce these, the cakes. You can't, you can't do it without it. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of tricks. Yeah. I just imagine that you have like every color KitchenAid. Um, no, I don't. It's not about color anymore. It's about size and function. Mm. Um, I have, so KitchenAid makes several different models and I probably have one of each of them and I only have one that I really, really like. Which model is that one? It is the professional series. It's the five quart. Um, I handle. It, they all have a handle. Well, no, that's not true. Um, most of them have a handle. The bigger ones do. But the five quart has a wide bowl. And so when I'm making buttercream, for example, and I put that 240 degree sugar into my meringue or into my egg whites to make the meringue, because the bowl is so wide, it cools down faster. And so I can make Italian meringue buttercream in about 30 minutes in that one, which the other machines take about 45 and so when you're making five wedding cakes and that, so like this weekend I have five wedding cakes. I did the math last night. I'm going to make um, 24 pounds of buttercream. Now you know why I need seven mixers. So when you're making 24 pounds of buttercream, 15 extra minutes can really put a good healthy dent in there. Yeah. So I have a KitchenAid commercial. It's the big guy. It has the eight quart. And I can make two batches in that, but because the bowl is so big and it's so full, I have to, t- after I add the butter, I have to take the bowl off and stick it in the freezer for a minute and rapidly cool it down so that I can put it back on the machine and whip it up and, you know, and turn it into the buttercream. So again, it's another process. So that five quart, it's my fave. That wide bowl, who knew? Is that, is that, so we have like this wedding registry thing that's coming up. Is that something that a regular human would need or is it overkill? Um, it depends on how much you're baking. If you guys just want it for like, you know, say you'll throw some cookies together or some muffins or something, that is the artisan KitchenAid that you can buy at Macy's, Target, Walmart, whatever. Um, and that's the one that comes in all the crazy colors. Mm-hmm. These bigger ones that I use, some of them come in colors, but they're usually, I think the craziest color I have, honestly, is red. How sad is that? I have a black one. <laughs> I have we gotta get you pink three ones. gray ones, a red one. Well, gray is a good color. Gray is a good color, yeah. It, but it's um, very industry. It's just, oh. it's professional. <laughs> yeah. It's not about the color. It's just, it's industrial is mm-hmm. the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's all it is. So, yeah, red is my only crazy color. How sad is that? It's not really sad. They're like, they're just functional at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm building the business right now and, again, cutting the, cutting the corners. 
the big 30-quart Hobart mixer, which is every pastry chef's dream, was the first thing to get cut out of the budget because I was like, I own seven KitchenAids, so... I don't need this 30 quart. Like it's, I can, that's a goal for later. Yeah. You know, after I've been in business for a year, I can come back and buy that piece of equipment. But right now I need to save the $3,000 because I already invested in all these kitchen aids. Right. So yeah. we're just going to, you know, keep it a little difficult for a while, but it'll be fine. Eventually we'll get to the big, the big stand mixer. Yeah. So yeah. Nice. So yes, get yourself a kitchen aid. Cool. Kitchen aid's a good one, but yeah. What do you need? Every time I do a cake and someone, I mean, I literally, I made some cookies here for a pop-up event they did last week. It was makeup inspired. She wanted um, makeup themed cookies. So I had to order the cookie cutters because I didn't have lips or a lipstick. Um, So every time, it's almost like every week that I take on a job because everything is themed now. Yeah. You know, like there's no such thing, like everything is themed. So I literally am buying new tools all the time. Like, I'll never not buy a new tool. I can't imagine. Um, I have a lot now, and I can now take on jobs and be like, yes, I've already got that. But it's quite the investment when you first start. That's that's just, yeah, the it's naked the truth. Is. Yeah. Yep. Noted. Yep. Awesome. We normally ask, um, uh, like, businesses in town that you are into uh so i see a bunch of tattoos do you have like a tattoo spot that you go to i do um i get all of my tattoos from wade elder he owns victory boulevard tattoo it is in west Asheville. um and but there's a lot of great tattoo artists here i think um there's a lot of different styles and stuff like that so that is something that we are blessed to have a lot of i think you just need to find the guy that you jive with the most because you got to think about it. There's a lot to getting a tattoo, you know. It's a forever thing. It's a forever thing, yes. But the music that's playing while you're getting the tattoo, that, like, for me, that, like, is a lot about the pain threshold. Like, if there's offensive music playing, it just puts me in a bad mood, which makes the tattoo hurt more, worse. There's, like, a lot of factors that come into play. Are you in the middle of the shop and you're vulnerable because you're in pain and you're kind of halfway naked because you're getting it on your upper thigh or something, and then they have rock music blaring, which is not really your cup of tea? It would just be a horrible (laughs) experience at that point. So there's a lot of factors. I mean, coming from a heavily tattooed person, and I've done my research, there's a lot of factors in making the experience just right. What so, kind of music do you like when you're getting tattooed? Uh, well, I, <laughs> what kind of music do I like all the time? I'm a hip-hop <laughs> junkie. Cool. Yeah. Old school, East Coast, hip-hop. Right well, not old school. I like a lot of the news. I mean, yeah. that's, it's hip-hop, and then it's house <laughs> under that. And then the rest of it just sort of, like, jives in under that. Cool. Every once in a while, I'll go back to my roots and listen to, like, the grunge stuff that was, you know, my high school career. Um, but no, hip-hop first. Cool. So, yeah, I'm going to go with hip-hop. Um, last question, which is where can we find you on the Internet? Ooh, okay. Uh, Cakesbygray.com, and it is G-R-A-Y, not E-Y. Um, it's a little, it's a pretty important factoid. Um, and it's all under the same thing because I did the research <laughs> and I'm the only one. So the Instagram, the Facebook page, the website, it's all Cakes by Gray. There's Perfect. no, yeah, it's easy breezy. So yeah. And then Rosa Bees is the same way. 
It's all under Rosabies. No apostrophe. There we go. But I own it if I change my mind. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no apostrophe. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Looking well, forward to that. So we are not rebranding. Cakes by Gray is not going anywhere. This is important to put out there. We are just expanding. You can have a different, yep. in the umbrella of the business, yep. you have a different. Exactly. The wedding business, business will always be under, the wedding and the custom cakes, you know, I do more than just weddings, but the weddings, the custom cakes, that will always be under Cakes by Gray. And that website will never go down. I'll always still update that. But um, Rosa Bees is definitely just an extension. And just because it scratches an itch that I have, is that just a new doing business as name or is it a separate entity? It is a DBA. Yep. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're, I mean, everything is under Cakes by Gray and I'm way too deep now. Cool. So yeah, it is a DBA. Awesome. Mm -hmm. And so uh, congratulations. I think that was a awesome episode. That was a nice. success. Nice. <laughs> that Thank was super fun. Thank you for having us. Thanks, yeah. guys. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and that was episode number 11 uh, with Melissa Gray from Cakes by Gray. And soon to be Rosa Bees. And so uh, this episode will be coming out a little bit before Rosa Bees opens. Um, but please follow Making It in Asheville and Melissa or Cakes by Gray to kind of track that. I think we're going to try and set something up with her um, to kind of celebrate the launch of Rosabies. Yay! And if you enjoyed this episode, please uh, like, like and subscribe and review. The easiest way that you can do that is through iTunes. Yep, it really helps with the distribution, letting other people see this podcast, have it show up on their accounts, and it means the world to us. Um, beyond that, uh, we have a ever-growing mailing list that is becoming more and more uh, worth your time, uh, working on a bunch of really fun giveaways and projects for um, you know partnerships with the uh, some of the guests that we've had on the show in the past, um, and then some, uh, I think, fun makers events here in Asheville. So if you are not subscribed just yet, we'd love to have you. You can visit makingitinashville.com. Uh, and there's going to be lots of ways for you to join the mailing list. And we forgot to mention the show notes of the page. If there's something that um, you heard us talk about in the page, if you want to have an easy access to more about Cakes by Gray, um, you can visit the show notes page at makingitinashville.com slash 011. Um, we'll list all the sort of highlights from the episode there. Uh, and links to things like the... Kitchen Aid, which I geeked out about because I love stuff. Yes. And so does she. Um, awesome. All right. Uh, Sarah, that was, I think, a really good 11th episode. Congratulations. High five.